Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have Beth Ann from Florida on. Beth Ann, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So you applied to be on the show, and you and I share a mutual love. Yes, Chris- Christine Thurman. Absolutely. She's our adoption lawyer, and I'm sure you heard about the show from her and followed our story as we brought Malia home. I did. It's been amazing to watch. You were probably one of our biggest prayer warriors at the time. She told me, I'm going to call all my intercessors to help us. Yes. <laughs> we yes. needed prayer. You know how it goes, and you know the story. It was crazy. I but do. What a miracle. And Christine has been such an amazing person in our lives. And I know that she has blessed your lives as well, um, bringing home baby Vera. And so we're going to talk about that adoption today. But first, let's talk about adoption in your life. Bringing home your little baby girl was not the first time that you experienced adoption, correct? You were raised in an adoptive family. I was. I was raised um, as the only biological child in my family. I was the oldest. My, My mom experienced infertility. So she started piecing together her family and bringing home my brother and my sisters through all different ways of adoption, Um, international adoption and domestic adoption. We kind of hit every category. (laughs) Wow. So you're the oldest. I am. And then she brought home your brother from where? Um, My brother was local. He was was from Florida, from um, central Florida. And then I have two sisters back-to-back that they did from China. And then um, my baby sister, it, well, she's not a baby anymore. She's 14. But she was also just local to the Tallahassee area. What was that like growing up? It was, it, it was normal to me. It, it was my normal. Um, you know, I, I never saw my mom big and pregnant like my friends did. That was just that was the way I got my siblings. I didn't know anything else. So I was never treated any differently. Um, they were never treated any differently. That was just how I got my brothers and my brother and my sisters. It was fantastic. We always kind of said that our love um, was stronger than other families' love because my parents had to go out and find my siblings, and we were pieced together through that love and determination. And I just always had that in the back of my mind going forward and. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful family to grow up in. Did your siblings ever say you love her more because she's biological? Do they understand biological? They definitely did, but I but no, they they never said anything like that. It really wasn't. Nobody played any cards. I never played the biological card. They never played the adoptive card. Um, I think maybe once or twice if somebody was really mad or something, they might have said something like that, but it was never... That was just never an issue. It was never something that was said. We talk about that, too. Some of the normal things that children just say are just normal, right? It's not like, oh, my gosh, this Mm -hmm. is the end of the world if they say, well, she's biological and you love her more, or you're not my real mom. I mean, all of us have said hurtful things when we were teenagers. And, you know, it was just part of the normal process. And I wasn't adopted, and I still said crazy things to my mom, you know, just when you're upset. And so it kind of normalizes life. I am encouraged by your story because oftentimes, and we've heard this several times from several different families, people are afraid to have a biological child once they've adopted because they don't want that child to feel any less or feel um, 
you know, like the parents would love the, the child that's biological more. I mean, even my husband and I, we have considered biological children. We have four adopted now. Now we're like, maybe not biological. We have too many kids already. <laughs> but we've thought about it. And I thought, would our children feel threatened by seeing me pregnant or that I am the tummy mommy and the mommy that's going to raise them? Does that make sense? But it doesn't it does. sound like you had that in your family. No, and I don't know if that's because I came first, and so I, you know, my siblings, my adopted siblings, were never my adopted siblings. They were just my siblings. So I never had to make that differentiation, Um, and I don't know if that plays into it and if it would be different having adopted first and then having a biological child. I can't speak to that. I do have friends where that's happened, and um, it hasn't seemed really to make a difference to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely was not an issue in our family. So you were an interracial family, though. How did yes. other people respond to your family? Well, we were in a very rural part of North Florida um, that was not all that accepting to other races, but Chinese, um, the Chinese race didn't seem to be all that different, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we did get crazy looks in the store, and we did get crazy questions, and that just kind of became a part of life. But I don't remember anyone being hostile um, or just saying anything really nasty. Of course, I was a kid, but I, I just don't remember that. But we definitely got <laughs> some crazy looks and some double takes and, you know, oh, who, who are you babysitting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But my mom was very quick to know these are all my children and... And people would say, well, are, now are they sisters? Talking about my two mm-hmm. Chinese sisters. And she's like, you know, I know what you're getting at, but yes, they are sisters. And they'd go, but no, are they real mm-hmm. sisters? And she's like, yes, they are real sisters. They're not unicorns. You know, my mom had all, all the answers. And so going forward with my adoption, I felt totally prepared. <laughs> that is so awesome. You could write a book to help all of us in this right now, because I think that's a shock when you become an interracial family. Now, adoption in general, people will stop you and say things, but when it's so clear that Mm -hmm. the children are adopted, people just think they can say whatever. And so we've gotten that too. Are they real sisters? They're all siblings. Do you mean biological? And they're like, yeah. And I I always think, why does that matter to you while you're buying carrots in the grocery store? Why does that matter if they're biological siblings? You know, I, it's always an interesting question. And especially now that I do have biological siblings, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, how do I approach that? Because yes, they are. Wait, no, they aren't. These two, but they're all siblings. And it can get really confusing. Sometimes I just right. wish people would say things like, we love your family. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need to know any details. We just see exactly. you and we love you. And that's really what adoptive families need. They need right. people to come over and say, we love your family. What a beautiful family. You know, I remember my brother, uh, my mom tells a story about my brother coming to her saying, Mom, how does everybody know that Kate is Chinese? <laughs> I mean, they, all, they always ask if she's adopted and how do they know? You know, she she looks different than us. And Matt just said, well, I don't think she looks different. I think she just looks like a sister. Aww. And so, I mean, and I've noticed that with my children, too. And I think sometimes those comments even catch the kids off guard. Right. And so it's that line of when do you kind of gloss over it if they're too young? And when do they really need to hear you 
speak up and stand firm and validate them and their being. Right. And it's hard. It's really hard. Sometimes when I go to validate them, my son says, Mommy, are you mad? Was that person mean? And I'm like, well, and they're not mean. And you know, the truth is, is when they were babies, I, and I, you and I talked about this, I would stop and talk to everyone. Oh, yeah, because I love adoption so much. I will promote it anytime, anywhere, and talk to anyone. Well, I realized that people were not stopping me to necessarily learn about adoption. They were stopping me to ask me invasive questions um, because they either disagreed with my adoption choices or they just couldn't even understand why I would want to do that. And so when you get some negative feedback, that's when you really have to stand up. And and it's hard. It's hard as a mom. I'm sure your mom struggled through that. How are your siblings now? How do you guys all get along now? Um, I mean, I think we're just... (laughs) I think we're just normal, normal siblings. We have normal sibling rivalry. We have normal sibling love. Um, There's just never a question. All of our pictures are hanging up the exact same size in our house. And, I mean, we we don't really think about race. We just don't. And um, I know there's some different schools of thought concerning that. I know you're not supposed to be colorblind and things like that. And, And I guess I wouldn't really say that we are. Because obviously, I see that my sisters look different, but but they kind of don't. And mm-hmm. I think once you are so accepting to other races, you really you really just see the beauty instead of all of the differences. And even though you do see the differences, you look past them because they they just don't matter. Mm-hmm. That's part of what makes this this beautiful person that's part of your family. And so we just don't really dwell on it, and and we didn't really dwell on it growing up. Do you think that your siblings ever went through a time where they thought, I'm different and struggled through that? Yes, and I, I think each sister did in their different way. Um, my older sister, the older of the two, she she's in college right now. She um, She's always been very just kind of go with the flow, never really wanted to be different, never never really mattered that she was different. She never, it, it just was not an issue. I do remember my younger sister crying one time in the mirror because she didn't look like my mom, and she really wanted to. Mm. But that same sister, you know, the next year was looking in the mirror, calling herself black beauty and beauty, you know, like my luscious dark skin and hair. I think she was three at the time. So I think they've both gone through different, stages of acceptance, but they're both beautiful, gorgeous, strong women um, now, and it's been amazing to see their journey. So growing up in an adoptive family, were you thinking, I'm going to adopt always? Um, Yes and no. I struggled with endometriosis that was pretty severe from about the age of 14, And that's also the condition that my mom struggled with. And she was only able to have one biological child. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if my condition is as severe, if not more severe than my mom, I'm probably going to need to make some different plans than just the conventional, traditional plans that most people have. So I knew that it was a possibility. I welcomed it. Um... My husband, my fiancé at the time, welcomed it as well. It was a conversation that we needed to have because I think, as you've discussed before on your show, if one person in the relationship is into it more than another, it's just not going to work. And so I needed to make sure that he was 
going to jump in with both feet if this ended up needing to be the way that we got our children as well. And so he was. So it was something that never really was a hard decision for me. But um, I was able to have two biological children before, and then we we both just really felt like there was somebody missing. And I had to have a hysterectomy, and so we knew that I wouldn't be able to produce our other child or any future children, so we started pursuing adoption. How old were your sons at that time? When we went to our first meeting, I think they were, let's see, four and two. And so we got some questions and some why now and some what in the world are you doing? You already have two. Why do you want to do this? And all we could say was that we just felt really impressed and and prompted by the Lord that this needed to happen. And some people kind of rolled their eyes at us, and we didn't really care because it wasn't their family, it was ours. And we absolutely knew that there was someone missing from it. I just want to back up a little bit and ask you what that was like the first time that you discovered that you were pregnant. Were you shocked? Yes, absolutely. We um, we talked about trying to get pregnant, and we were very newly married. I mean, it was probably the first month we were married. We talked about it, and even before we got married, we talked about kind of our timeline, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so we're going to try for a couple of years, we'll go to fertility clinics, we'll try for some more, we'll maybe do IVF, we'll just take our time, this is going to be a long, painful process, we'll finally make our way over to adoption, and then we'll wait for even longer, Mm -hmm. so I just had a five or ten year plan, and so we decided to go ahead and get started, because it was going to take so long, we wanted to be young parents, and that first month, I got pregnant. Oh and I goodness. just remember shaking, just just shaking, because I was a newlywed, I was young, and I was kind of going, um, Heavenly Father, I've always wanted this, but really, this soon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Am I really ready for this right now? Did I really want this right now? And all sorts of those kind of questions, and it was just amazing. And then um, I started having some health complications after after my first son was born, and we decided, okay, if we're going to try for any more, we need to go ahead and do that now. And so we did, and second month, I was pregnant, and I was I was dumbfounded. And I thought, oh, my goodness, maybe everything that I thought was just not the way it was going to be. Maybe I would get to do this, you know, quote, normally and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of things. And um, then I, I ended up having to have a hysterectomy a few months after my second son was born. And I went through, gosh, several, several months of just grieving mm-hmm. and the, uh, feeling guilty for grieving because I had two beautiful, beautiful children that God had blessed me with that I didn't think I would ever be able to have. And so I grieved because I almost felt like it was more cruel in that sense because I had felt so strongly that I needed to have more mm-hmm. and couldn't. And I couldn't understand why, you know, why was I even allowed to feel that joy of giving birth to two children if I just, if I couldn't do it again. I knew exactly what it felt like and I would never be able to do it again. And it, it was gut-wrenching and I truly did have to grieve those children that I would not bear. And it took me a while to be okay with that and find my faith through all of that, 
that, you know, stick to the original plan. You, in fact, have talked about adoption. Stick to the original plan. You can do this. It's not the end of the world if your kids don't look like you. It's just not. And not that I really thought it was, but, you know, that maternal instinct is to bear children. Mm -hmm. And when that is ripped away from you without your consent, it just, it was gut-wrenching for me. I think it's important to talk about because there's a process and talking about grieving a loss is important. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear about your adoption with baby Vera. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. We're talking to Beth Ann, and she's telling her and Zach's story. They have had two biological children, which was a complete miracle. And now she, in her story, has to get a hysterectomy. And so she's been grieving that loss, but feels like there are more children out there. And she knows that there's another baby. So you started the process right away. Your sons are four and two, and you're ready to bring this baby home. Right, right. So I was very gung-ho. I had a pretty spiritual experience where I just felt like there was a baby girl somewhere in this world that was going to need me. And I went home, and I told Zach, and he just looked at me like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, you don't understand. This is this is happening, and it's you know going to be great, and it probably won't take that long. It'll be so awesome, blah 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 blah. And the further we got into it, and he, you know, he was on board, I was on board, and we started realizing, oh my word, this is this is a much longer process than either of us really anticipated, um, and it had plenty of ups and downs, and and side streets and back roads, but we got it and we got her and she's amazing. Let's talk about those side streets. So you have to do a home study. We did. And you Um, said you had waited a couple years? We waited. So the boys were four and two and we started kind of just making calls and I started calling LDS social services. We are of the LDS faith. And just kind of got a weird answer from them, weird vibes from them, and come to find out the next week is when they announced that they were not doing adoptions anymore. So I thought, okay, well, that explains the weird vibe. So moved on to the next agency, signed up with them, um, started our paperwork, and I was kind of dragging my feet just because I did have little kids at home mm-hmm. that were taking all of my energy. So... I I did paperwork for probably six months before we were actually approved with our home study. And once we were, um, the agreement we had with our social worker was that we were we were open to anything. We were open to any race, any gender. You know, in the back of my mind, I had that 
picture of a little girl, but it's really hard to tell if this is God's will or if this is just what Beth Ann wants in her picture-perfect family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had that, but I said, you know, I don't want to impose my will on Heavenly Father's will. If he has a specific baby for me, which you have to believe that, you just do. And if he has a specific baby picked out for me, I just need to say whatever goes and be open to anything. So we were. So our our agreement with our social worker was that we would just wait for information for her before we said yes or no. So if there were any serious special needs or anything that she felt like needed our attention, she would call us ahead of time and make sure we were okay before she presented our family's profile to a birth mom. So we were presented several times. Um, We had several situations arise through different attorneys and different friends of friends. And, you know, somebody heard that so-and-so sister is pregnant and wants to place for adoption and are we interested and things like that. And it happened 12 times. Oh my goodness. Talk about that roller coaster. Yeah. You know, not, not all of them were as dramatic as others. It'd be the kind of thing where our social worker would call and say, I've got a birth mom. She's doing a couple of months. Um, Here are the details. Are you okay? We'd say yes. You know, there would be five other families in the mix. Well, okay, now it's down to you and two other families. Okay, well, now it's down to you and one other family. Oh, and she picked the other family. So it it was lots of things like that. It was, you know, somebody in the Bahamas contacting us because she saw our profile online and wanted us to bring her to Florida so that she could place our baby or her baby. And we're going, um... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know that we're okay with that Uh and totally nipped that one in the bud, but there were just lots of different situations like that um, that we had to say yes or no to, and we mainly said yes to everything and just kind of put it in Heavenly Father's hands, and my whole thing was if it happens, it happens, but whenever it didn't happen, those 12 times, the first few were like sobbing on the floor, Zach's picking me up off the floor, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. The further along we got into it, I kind of learned how to keep my emotions a little more at bay. I mean, that's easier said than done, but each time it wasn't quite as painful as some of those early those early ones, mm-hmm. and I feel like I needed those early ones to be kind of traumatic so that I could kind of distance myself a little bit more, but that doesn't mean they weren't hard. Oh, my word, they were hard, mm-hmm. because then I knew, I knew of specific birth moms right at that time that were struggling. And it put it all in a different perspective, thinking about them and their well-being and knowing that they were making the toughest decision of their life. Mm-hmm. And so I was in anticipation of maybe this could be my child, but on the other hand, knowing that this mom is going through this heart-wrenching situation, it was just a whole array of emotions that nobody prepares you for with adoption. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, because when we're not doing podcasts, I am talking to adoptive families almost daily and helping them in their journey and trying to sift out what they want and what road they should take and do they want to do an agency. And so I'm talking to families all the time. And sometimes they're saying to me, "Uh, this is really hard. And I'm like, you're right. It is really, really hard. And a lot of things happen that are really unfair. And you're going to probably lose maybe a lot of money. But if you get used to grieving through it, it's going to soften your heart and change you through the process. And adoption honestly changes you more 
than really getting the baby. I mean, the whole thing is getting the baby, I know. But what happens in you is it's so true. amazing. And it makes you able to relate to other people mm-hmm. that are struggling, and especially those birth moms. Mm-hmm. I just, the way that my body grieved for the children that I could no longer have, I imagine that their bodies mm-hmm. grieve for the children that they place. Right. And it just, it's amazing how adoption brings out the good, the bad, and the ugly of mm-hmm. every emotion that you just never. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not just a really cool, fun thing that you can do to pass the time because you're bored. It's, it, it's, and people who go into it like that either very quickly change their minds or they mm-hmm. decide it's not for them and they pursue another route because it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing the transformation that goes on in a family that experiences adoption. Mm-hmm. And I, I can agree with you about the birth mom as well. You know, when I went into it, I was like, oh, I can't wait to meet a birth mom. And our first one was closed. And so we never got that opportunity. And so I didn't understand her process. And I had never given birth to a baby. So I didn't really understand any of it. And how much I've learned through the process and the grief and, like you said, the good, the bad, the ugly, the joy and the loss. I mean, it's just really, it's hard to put into words, but you know that God is in the midst and leading people through it. And you know when they come out on the other side, they're going to be totally different people. Exactly. Okay, so 12 disrupted, people don't like the word disruptive, 12 times though. You thought maybe you were going to bring home a baby, and you didn't. I mean, at what point did you get connected to Christine? So um, I think I was with Christine for number 12. Um, I had kind of a friend of a friend say, hey, my, you know, this friend is an adoption attorney and has a birth mom that's due soon and would love for you to give him a call. And I'm going, wait, who? Wait, where has she been? Wait, who is this? <laughs> I wish I'd met her sooner, but um, mm-hmm. but in hindsight, we met her at the exact perfect time because that's that's how we got my baby. So we went, we met with her in her office, and and she was amazing. The second I walked in to her room, I just or to her office, I just felt this this peace and this calm, and I hadn't felt that way in a while in our adoption process, and I really really knew that we were in the right spot. And so she was, she was warm and she was inviting and, but she was going to find us our baby. And so we'd wait with her about as long as we'd been waiting up until this, this was about two and a half years. So I imagine we'd just keep on waiting. And I think we were with her maybe three weeks and she called, well, actually she emailed answer your phone when the social worker calls. And I, did, I didn't get that. I was sitting down to eat lunch, and I didn't get that email, or I probably would have freaked out. So our social worker calls and says, hey, you know, what are you doing? Mind you, God's timeline in this whole thing. We were up for our home study renewal. It was about to expire. Our fingerprinting was about to ex- Everything was about to expire. And after this 12th baby that we did not get, I was the lowest I had ever been through this whole process. I had told Zach, if this is what it takes to get a baby, I maybe this was just a huge test. Maybe there's not a baby for us. Maybe this was just Heavenly Father testing our faith. And I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. I'm good with the two I have, and let's just, maybe we just need to step back from it for a little while. 
And we were kind of in the thought process of that. And I knew that the social worker was going to be calling soon to set up our home study um, evaluation. So it wasn't really out of the ordinary that she was calling me and it didn't click until she, she said, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm eating Nutella. <laughs> I'm eating a Nutella sandwich. What, what's up? And she goes, well, there's been a baby born. And you guys have been waiting so long. Christine and I really just feel like this is your baby. And I didn't hear anything else, really. Mm-hmm. I went flying upstairs. I heard African-American baby girl. I'm sobbing in a heap on the floor. Zach, what is going on? So I put it on speaker. She said it all again. And there was a perfectly healthy baby that had been born that needed a home. And we were the ones that they both thought of. So she was meant to be. She was meant to be ours. What was it like going to the hospital? Oh, my word. It was nerve-wracking because in the state of Florida, she had to wait because she had had a C-section. So she, our birth mom had to wait an extra day before she could sign her papers, her termination of parental rights. And so she couldn't sign that until Monday. And Vera was born Friday night. So she was in a different town, or I would have gone up and been able to spend time with her. But since she was in a different town, I we just hung tight, um, spent the last weekend just alone with our boys, freaking out, cleaning, um, getting Buying girl stuff. Cry, yes, exactly. I went to Target and walked around like a zombie and with my mom going, honey, you probably need to pick out a car seat. You probably <laughs> need to get some diapers. And I'm just going, oh, my gosh, is this happening? Is this happening? And getting completely overwhelmed. We did not tell our kids because we didn't know if it was going to fall through. We didn't mm. want them to get their hopes up. Plus, it was their first day of school on Monday. And so we had this, everything worked out, this plan, not knowing if she was going to change her mind. But the social worker and Christine kept saying her body language indicates she's not changing her mind. So I allowed myself to completely get excited, and and um, we drove over there Monday morning, dropped the kids off at their first day of school, kindergarten and preschool, and drove over the entire time texting with Christine, has she signed, has she signed? No, she has not signed yet, but she's going to. And I'm going, okay, going to is a lot different than actually has. Mm-hmm. So are we coming into the hospital? What are we doing? And Christine says, come in. She's going to sign. Um, come in, wait for us. They, the, our birth mother requested that it was a closed adoption. Um, so she did not want to see us. She did not want to know us or anything about us, which was very difficult. Um, so we, we drove that whole time not really knowing what we would find when we got to the hospital. But but we did. We got to the hospital. She signed her consent. And so they took us into um, into our separate room and brought the baby in from the nursery. And I can honestly say that it was... Um, sorry, I'm emotional. I am too. <laughs> that it was the most um, spiritual and magical thing that I have ever experienced. Um, There was just no differentiation between when the nurse first showed me my two boys after I had delivered them via C-section and saw them and saw heaven staring back at me. Mm -hmm. There was just no difference in seeing her for the first time. And if there was even a little bit more love because of how long I had searched for her and prayed for her, um, I just, I can't even put it into words 
what it was like. I have it all on video. <laughs> so hopefully one day she can feel that love too. Oh, I love that. And I'm crying because, you know, I just got my baby with Christine uh, only seven weeks ago. And I can honestly say that we've had placement with others, other agencies, other lawyers. And I think Christine has a gift to go in and pave the way for adoptive parents. And her, like you said, peace and her restoration for adoption is so notable. She, it's the way it's supposed to be. It's so beautiful. And she's so respectful of the birth parent. And she so loves you and wants you to, to have a baby. And so she's there to kind of mediate the whole process. And the same feeling that you're talking about is how I walked in to our hospital room and she handed me the baby and said, here's your baby. I'm going to go to sleep because I've been up all night because I had to fly in from Colorado. And I, it was the same feeling, this overwhelming love that I had for Malia and this peace that came over me. And, you know, I love all my children. When I've seen them, I've loved them all. But because the, the situation has been so stressful, the stress would override that first moment. Exactly. And the hospital and the nurses and everybody coming in, it was just so stressful that she somehow makes a way. And I'm sure it's not every time, but I agree with you in this as well, is that she hands you the baby and it's peaceful. And here is this beautiful baby. How is she now? She's amazing. She's nine months old. She's crawling. She's got two little teeth. She's Mm -hmm. got so much hair that I, you know, pull up into cute little buns and oh my gosh, She's just delicious. Everybody that stops that stops to stare at her just gets drawn in. You and I talked about being disappointed that we didn't have a relationship with the birth mother. That's yeah. hard. It is. It 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 truly truly is. We got to the hospital. We were told that um, we would not get to meet her, and from the very beginning, I I really wanted an open adoption at least. In the beginning, I, I at least wanted to meet to have something to tell my child, and um, I didn't get that. And it, you know, I I'm trying to understand why I've reached out to a couple of different birth moms that are my friends that I know and and talk to them about it and try to understand maybe some of her reasoning. Um, I've talked to Christine at ad nauseum probably for her about, you know, is there anything else you can tell me? Is there anything else you can tell me? And she finally just said, Bethany, no, we have to respect her. We have to respect what she wants. Here's what I can say. Here's what I can't say. Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's what is speculation. And you just have to be at peace with it. And I wanted to pass her a note. I wanted to look at her. I wanted to hug her. Mm-hmm. At the very least, I wanted her to see a picture of us and know that her baby was going to be loved. And and she she just, she didn't want it. I think it was too hard for her. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have been too hard for me had I been in that situation. But I felt so connected to her. Um, I, I don't know. It was weird. I felt like the way that I had grieved my my babies. I felt like her body was probably doing that. I had had C-sections. She had had a C-section. Her mind might have been made up, but her body was still going to have a scar, and her milk was still going to come in, and and all these things that I just sat and I cried. I cried so hard for her. Um, 
because I knew how much physical pain she was in, and I hoped that her heart um, wasn't in that much pain, but I I thought it probably was, and I, I wanted to be there for her. And it was very hard. It's still hard, obviously, that I'm, I'm so emotional about it. But I think the fact that, um, that we know how much she loved her daughter to place her in a loving mm-hmm. home where she would be taken care of speaks volumes to her character. And that is something that I can share with my daughter. It is really hard. We wanted that, and, and to not have that is very difficult. And there are times when I, I love these children so much that I want to tell their mother, look at them. Oh my goodness, they're amazing. And they must represent you. I mean, the compassion and the kindness that my children show, it must be her. Right. Even when people stop me in the grocery store and say, she is so beautiful. Look Mm -hmm. at those eyes. Look at those lips. Look at that. And I said, and I say, thank you. But really... What am I thinking? I'm not responsible for any of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all her genetics, and I I do. I hope that someday there's a way that they can meet. And, and if it never happens in this life, then we'll all have a grand reunion in heaven, I'm sure. That's right. That's right. And I'm, I always pray that it will happen. I always pray that later on they will be able to see what these children have become, and I'll be able to look at them in the eye and say, thank you so much. Thank you for choosing life, and thank you for, I'm so emotional, thank you for bringing these kids into my life and and helping me become a mother. Because of you, I'm a mother. And even though right now I know it's hard and painful, and they kind of went on their way and closed it, and with my two youngest ones, that one is open, um, and I deeply love her, and we do have a relationship, and it's much easier to say, hey, she's allergic to milk. Are the rest of your kids allergic to milk? Are you allergic to milk? Or, you know, and talk to her and she gets excited about things in her own way. Uh, and so we kind of can mother together and, you know, we have our own special relationship, but I do agree with you. I think it is difficult. And it's funny because people who don't want open adoptions get open adoptions and people who want them don't get them. And God is just funny how he works that out. But becoming an interracial family is so different and doing hair and all those things, you're learning all that really quickly. You and I had talked about really quick there's a difference you said between um, becoming an interracial family when you were a kid with having Chinese sisters yes. opposed to becoming an interracial family now and having African-American. Yes, we're in the South. So I think that there are lots of stereotypes that I, I mean, I was aware that they were there. I never really bought into them myself, obviously, but I I guess I didn't realize how prevalent they still were with some people. Now, I will say most people have been amazing, and they've been amazing and accepting, but there are still some people that are not, and Asian sisters did not prepare me for having a black daughter. Um, they, I kind of got thinking about things that I would say and remembering situations that we had been in when I was a kid, and... Um, I think I I remember maybe one or two really strong instances when I was a kid, and I maybe have one or two instances per day now when I'm with my daughter. And it's just a completely different... And, and maybe my mom would remember things differently, and I'm just remembering like that because I was a child. But I definitely think that there's there are differences between the races and what people think 
is acceptable as opposed to what they think is not acceptable. And there's such a difference when you look at a family that has a couple of Asian kids and when you look at a family that has a couple of black children and you're like, yeah, okay, there's a definite difference and we stick out a little bit more. So it's been interesting to see how all of that is unfolding and what I was prepared for and what I was really not prepared for. Mm -hmm. We talk about that on the show a lot. Um, And I would never talk anyone out of becoming an interracial family. We are, it's what was meant to be, but I will say it's something to consider. You have to be ready and think about it's going to change no matter where you live, Colorado, the South, it's going to change your perception. You are going to get more stares. People will say things negative and positive Christine talks about it a lot. She's like, I don't know if I prepared Beth Ann. And I really don't think any of us were prepared. But now that we're in it, I love talking about it on podcasts because I just think that people need to put that in their back pocket and go, okay, this is going to be a change for our family. And how do we prepare for that? And where can we go when we feel, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. What you can do is find other interracial families. Exactly. Then we kind of all laugh together, don't we? Bethann, when you and I talked, we were like, has anyone said this one? How about this one? And we laugh and we realize, yep, we're going through this together. We're raising these kids together. Exactly. Bethann, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing just your huge experience with growing up with adoption and now going through an adoption. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And I'm just thankful to Christine Thurman. If you're looking to adopt, please look her up. I will send out her information on Facebook. But she is awesome. She's in Florida. And she keeps the cost low. And like we said, she is there to facilitate an adoption in a very loving way. She's amazing. She truly does God's work. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.